Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Well, today's guest is someone who I actually had the pleasure of meeting at the Bullet Bar just before quarantine. He's fun, he's kinky, and he's got an incredible spirit. Working alongside several organizations like Obsidian LA and Threshold LA, to name a few, he also holds the current Los Angeles Pup 2020 title. With that said, let's sit back, relax, and get ready for some more leather talk. Everybody, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Pup Star Orion. Hi. Hey, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? Uh, Pup Star Orion, would you mind introducing yourself to us, please? No, not at all. Uh, my name is Orion. I use he, his pronouns. I am a transgender fluid um, Salvadoran immigrant. I am 25 years old. Uh, if you could not tell from the name, I am a puppy. I am the current LA puppy. Um, I'm also the social outreach coordinator. I got it. I got it. Drop my words for a second. Um, <laughs> of Obsidian LA, which is a QTI BIPOC kink centered education group. Bam. Okay. This is vaguely rehearsed. I'm proud of myself every time I can say all that. Um, I'm also <laughs> the gender identity chair at Threshold LA. Okay. Um, that's me. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be talking a little bit more about that in, in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, you said you're 25. I can't believe you're so young. I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Except God. I'm not an age player. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think of the first time that we met. And I think it was at the Dark Angel Night at the Bullet. Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember I wasn't there for your... Um, contest because I was in the Bay with my daddy. Um, I think there was another contest that night. I think it was the S uh, the Miss SF contest. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I was, which I like, I don't know. It got a little weird. So there was part of me that was like, Oh, I should have stayed home. Yeah. You should have came to my competition. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The first time I met you, I think I, I remember exactly. We were at the bar and then uh, I think you were getting, surgery at that time as well oh, let me see maybe there's always something medically wrong with me i'm like chronically ill so i'm always, i always have something going on <laughs> like i think elliot once said the first three times that he met me i had like gotten hit by a car i had gotten mugged and then i had been in the hospital for like another reason right. so like that's, it is what it is so it's now part of you <laughs> Yeah, it's it's part of me. It's like, is he sore because of a scene? Is he sore because you know God dealt him a weird hand? Who knows? <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your 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 origins. Um, you said you identify as uh, what is your sexual orientation? One more time. For oh, um, I'd say like pansexual queer. Okay, okay, and then so what's your coming out story story like? Did you come out? with a sexual orientation first or, or your gender identity and how so familial wise i did come out sexuality wise first mm -hmm. um the story is a bit sorted um uh, so i will give a content warning beforehand um i was arrested when i was 14 because a friend of mine found out that i was intending to end my life hmm. Um, and part of that had to do with um, the way I grew up. Like I grew up with, so I was assigned female at birth. I grew up with, you know, everyone raising me as, attempting to raise me as a little girl. Um, didn't work out, sorry. <laughs> but I was always, I guess, assumed to be a lesbian because I, which is stereotypical. I feel so weird saying this. I embodied what people assumed masculinity looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't identify as masculine to this day, um, but 
because of the way we assume masculinity, like based on clothing and traits and like posture, um, I was assumed to be a lesbian when I was growing up. Like that was the route my family thought I was heading down. So um, bless my mom's heart. She's a much different person now. But when I was in middle school, she used to straight up say things like, do not come out with any stupid shit about liking girls because I will fuck you up. Oh, my God. Um, and so I was like really traumatized. Uh, and I think I, I had an incline as to like being fluid in my sexuality when I was really young. The first crush I had, I had like two simultaneously. So I was poly obviously from the start. Um, but it was on this boy in my class and this girl in my class when I was like in first grade. So by the time I had like become a teenager, and started like hitting puberty, I just internalized a lot and pushed a lot of things down. And so by 14, I was like, I can't really see existing anymore. Like the moment I realized that I was like, not straight, I was like, this is it. Like my family's gonna do it, so I might as well do it first. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was part of me that was like really vengeful about it. Like I wanted to be, a a big middle finger to my family. Like, if you're going to be ashamed of me, I'll give you something to be ashamed about. Um, So I got arrested and I was hospitalized. And the doctors, even though they told me that they wouldn't, outed me to my mom. Um, So that's illegal. Uh, And so my mom knew, but she hadn't, like, verified with me. And then I started dating someone in high school when I was released and it was someone who at the time identified as a lesbian and used to walk me home every day because we were dating. And my mom one day like was like, why does this person always have to walk you home? Is that your girlfriend? And because I'm like, I, I don't say anything unless you ask. Mm-hmm. If you ask, I'll let you know. Um, so I said yes, um, because that's what um, this person was at that time. Funny story is this person is now like an out binary trans man. Um, so we both ended up being trans. So it was still gay when you really think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're both going through your own journey and and figuring yourselves out at that time. You're so young, you know? Yeah. So that was how I came out with my sexuality. I didn't come out, um, even though I figured out my gender and like told everyone friend wise, school wise, when I was 16, um, I didn't come out to my family till I was 20. So I'm curious to know when that transition happened for you internally. When did you realize that it was something more than sexuality, that it went beyond to to gender identity? So I always just thought, like, because I guess I was insisted my whole life, you are a girl, you are a girl, you have to understand that you are a girl. Um, I always was like, I'm just a, I'm just a little gender nonconforming. I'm just like, you know, I'm just a bit mask or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to tell me, Uh, which is where it becomes funny that she didn't really like me being queer um, when I was growing up. She used to always tell me everybody embodies some level of masculinity and femininity. That's just in her mind. That's how everyone works. And she always used to tell me that when I was a kid and she would go, I was a tomboy when I was growing up. But the issue is her version of like her story compared to my story is then she grew up. Then she grew out of it. I didn't. Hmm. she thought that I was going to be just like her. And then I would wake up one day and I would be feminine. And it just, I don't know if it didn't work. Cause I'm kind of a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the F slur, but I'm kind of, you know, a little limp wrist over here, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it just didn't come out the way she thought it would. Like every, I just kind of threw everything on its head, um, which is what I, I guess I have a talent for. Did um, you, when you were growing up, I'm curious, cause I, I felt the same way it, my parents never directly said it the way your your mother did, but I I thought what I thought growing up what what's wrong with me? And I remember thinking maybe next year something will flip on and I'll just start liking girls or I'll just start being more masculine. Yeah. Did you have that thought? Um, you know, it was kind of the opposite. It made me like double down. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like being challenged, I guess. Maybe I'm kind of a brat with my gender. 
Uh, but anytime my mom would say like, and then I grew up, I took that as like a personal challenge to be like, well, I'm going to just do this another year then. Mm-hmm. Like then see like how you feel. I'll get a boyfriend like this too. You think I care? And then <laughs> it makes sense that all my boyfriends that I had in like high school and middle school ended up like growing up to be like to, to have like a sexual awakening and be, oh, I'm bi. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that explains your whole like, you're so interesting. You're not like other girls. Um, but it wasn't until I was 16 that I was scrolling through Tumblr one day, and I don't know if you were ever on, like, the very queer side of Tumblr, but sometimes you would just find definitions of queer terms, and I found the term gender fluid, and I say this with, like, a gender fluid flag now, like, behind me as we record, and I just had this, oh, shit moment. That's possible. And it, it was so easy to accept, like, the moment I read the definition... I was like, oh, that's what I am. And then I just kept scrolling. <laughs> How did you feel when you first read and realized that that was like a possibility for you? It was like the last puzzle piece just dropped, you know, like, and now I can see the image finally. Mm-hmm. It was like everything was obscured until that landed. And I went like, oh, like content warning. I had figured out that I was kinky before I figured out that I was trans. Okay. Well, we'll get into kink soon, Papa, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm jumping the gun. What can I say? <laughs> but I, I'm so curious about this because I think we all have um, different and unique journeys, but in some ways, very similar journeys. And it I, I, just as you're telling your story, I'm connecting so much with it right now, just going through some of sim, some similar, you know, um, situations that happened with me growing up, just mm-hmm. like that one moment where you're like, wow, this is possible but then when you figured out that that was a possibility and you kind of found that last puzzle piece at that point did you know or have any clue that there was an entire community of people such as yourself or did you still feel like you were alone in the whole thing well I definitely still felt alone at that point uh, to a degree at that point I had figured like after so much that had gone on, like I, I've had suicidal ideations um, my whole life, unfortunately. Um, I think my first thoughts were really when I was like four years old. Hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, your brain chemistry is just off. And I think that's the case for me. Like I take stock every now and then I go, this is forever. This is like, you know, medications, therapy programs are just how I'm going to have to live. Um, And that's totally okay. I'm like very settled with that now. At the time, I had so many like depressed queer friends that I think I felt less alone to some extent. Um, But also like when I found that definition, when I found gender fluid, I knew that the word had enough traction, that it had a definition, that I had found it at random, that people online had this to like had, had passed it around enough, had reblogged it enough that it landed on my dashboard. So I couldn't be entirely alone. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if I may ask, where did what area did you live in at that time? So I was born in Santa Ana, El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was raised in like East Hollywood, um, Koreatown, kind of like where they meet. So here in LA. Okay. Okay. Um, why can't I remember where I was going with that question? I think my question was going to be along the lines of, you know, like for me, when I came out, I, I moved to Los Angeles and I was like, wow, there's a whole different life out here. There's whole groups of people and communities of people that were not accessible to me Mm. growing up and even my first years of college because you grew up you know in the los angeles area did you discover like any groups of people you know like the lgbtq plus community or the non-binary community or anything like that i feel like i just always had a surplus of gay friends like Mm -hmm. before i came out um it was literally an issue with my family. Like I have a distinct memory with my uncle pulling my cousin aside and being like, you can't hang out with that one and his friends because they're all gay. Like just, I used to get asked all the time, like, why are all your friends gender confused? Why are all your friends gay? And you know, they just happen to be the people that had all the same interests as me. 
um which is why i always laugh at like friend groups on tv where there's like the one or two gay characters i'm like honey there's one or two straight characters if you're lucky in my life (laughs) (laughs) um so when when you're I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around just like you're growing up. So what is your mother like today? Um, I think coming out as trans made things more digestible for her. Uh, That was about like five years ago now. And I think it made all of my relationships look straighter to her. Um, Everyone that I had dated at that point were not women, but she perceived them as women if that makes sense. So it brought some things into context for her and within her own realm of understanding. Yeah. And then she became like, we started talking more. We weren't talking really before then. Um, I think me coming out as trans was one of the first conversations that we had had in a while. My mom had basically, I I always call it politely kicked me out Mm -hmm. um, when I got out of high school um she basically wouldn't talk to me and if i ever talked to her her only response is when are you leaving so i left i wonder if i mean does that have to do with you just becoming an adult and that was her way of booting you out of the house or do you think it had something to do with your sexuality and and gender expression and all of that so i'm what 25 now and i live with my mom again as i got sicker which i'm sure we'll talk about later uh, I moved back in and I also moved back in to do my transition with family that I didn't have to like argue about it with because mm-hmm. I when I left my mom's I started living with my grandparents because they have a large house. Um, I think it had everything to do with I was never going to be at least like in her mind at that moment the child she wanted me to be. She told me when I came out to her when I came out to her as um, bisexual, when I was like 14, 15, whatever, um, that she was really disappointed and that you hold certain expectations when you have a child and that she was just let down. So I think like that is the other thing is she was someone of great expectations for me and I never met any of them um, by being queer. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't speak to the whole parent thing, but I can just imagine having these expectations. And that's the one thing that like, we don't want to put on our kids, right? But it's one thing that we all do. Because I mean, how many times have you sat down and and thought maybe, I mean, I've kind of jokingly said to my partner, I'm like, Oh, if we ever have kids, like, I'm going to teach them how to play the violin at age four, they're going to be prodigies by the time they're (laughs) age 10. And like, what if they don't like music? What if they don't like the violin? You know, uh, we do it all the time, even though we don't intend to. But I can just imagine. Now, is there is religion involved with this at all? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up Christian. Um, my mom's the one Catholic. Like her parents are Christian. Everyone's Christian, and then she's the one Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I only figured that out moderately recent. I feel like it was recently. I we were talking about the Pope, and I was like, "Well, what do you care about the Pope? Aren't we Christian?" And she was like, no, my mom is Christian. And I was like, okay, mom, why is your mom Christian? You're Catholic. She was like, well, she's crazy. I was like, all right, you're both a little weird to me, but all right. (laughs) Wow. And is dad involved with this? So, ooh, let me see. My dad, I love my dad. I want to preface this by saying I completely adore my dad. We have the best relationship. Um, my dad probably knows me better than anyone in my family, um, but he's not physically around. He was deported, I want to say, when I was like nine or something, eight maybe, um, back to El Salvador. And my dad was in MS-13, so being in El Salvador wasn't safe for him. So he actually moved to Mexico where one of his brothers had also relocated, and he's lived there basically since. Wow. So it's not that he doesn't want to be present in your life. It's just no. that he can't be at this point. Yeah, he can't physically be here, but he's always written me letters. He's always called me. He's always like found a way to email me, talk to me, Facebook message me. No, I have him on a different Facebook, so don't even think that he sees all the shit that I'm doing. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, like, I've seen your Twitter. I mean, <laughs> Well, he doesn't know I have a Twitter. I don't even think he can use one. <laughs> That's what I'm going off of right now for my parents too. I'm like, you know, if they find my podcast, it would be like, oh, uh, like I don't even know if they know what the word podcast is. My mom still calls her her computer her her iPod. 
Like, <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I would laugh so hard if my mom found out the shit that I do. So right now, my mom thinks the reason I travel, um, or at least I travel pre-COVID, is because I'm like a trans activist and I'm going around doing important things and talking to people at like conferences and like giving lectures. Um, she doesn't know I'm just out here getting fisted by strangers. <laughs> Which I am going to argue is trans activism because, like, I am often people's, like, first time with a trans person. And they're like, can I ask you some questions? And I'm like, well, let me see your hands real quick. <laughs> yeah, the, the, conver- the icebreaker, the conversation has to start somewhere. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and well, we'll definitely get more into fisting soon. Uh- <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> So uh, where 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 is your journey now with your family and your whole coming out as, as trans currently are you do you feel more comfortable in your in your journey and your walk where you're going right now have you do you feel like you've arrived to a certain point where you feel comfortable or are you still walking that path or what's that like for you I think we're in a much better place um I'm still having issues with my grandparents they're very stubborn um, but they're finally like coming along with my name and they're still shaky on the pronouns, but it's, I, I prefer it when they don't refer to me at all <laughs> personally. Um, like, please just don't perceive me. And I'm a very queer person. I'm a very fluid person. So I think they have some trouble, especially my grandmother with like wrapping her head around, like why I wear pink so much if I want to be a guy. Um, which my mom actually had trouble with as well. Like I got my belly button pierced and my ex-partner used to do my eyebrows on the couch and like do my makeup. And I would go around and be like, I am such a fucking pretty boy. And my mom would be like, I don't understand why you're so metrosexual. Uh, I think she just gets that I'm gay now. It's really endearing. She thinks my daddy is my boyfriend. So she got us matching socks that say awesome boyfriend. Oh, I know. It's really cute. I didn't want to like break it to her. That's not my boyfriend. Um, (laughs) I don't have a boyfriend. So I just let her believe that. Um, She also got us socks that say both of us have the same pair of socks that say all you need is love and a dog. And I'm like, ha ha ha. I'm the dog. (laughs) So it's, it's in a cute place. Like everyone just thinks I'm a really gay guy now, which is like, a lot easier than them thinking I'm a lesbian. It, it's closer to my heart. It's not quite right, but I can fuck with it. So uh, how how do you deal with, you know, family and, and people maybe misgendering you or or just making the mistake of the pronoun? What, how do you handle that situation? Well, I have a lot of support, luckily. Most of my friends are like trans, queer, non-binary. Um, I think one of the things that I've accepted is like as a non-binary person, I will always be misgendered. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will always be misgendered to some degree. Um, when I tell people I'm trans, the first thing they think is like you're, well, it goes in the two directions. It either goes like, oh my God, you're a trans woman because they thought I was a cis guy when they were talking to me, or they think I'm a trans man. And either way, they're deeply wrong. Wrong, yeah. Um, so for me, like, I just, I know it's going to happen. I know I'm not going to be understood correctly. When I tell people I'm trans and I use he, his pronouns, they go, so you are a trans man. And then I have to go through the whole song and dance of, like, pronouns don't inherently have genders. Like, words aren't inherently gendered. Like, this is all something that we've socially constructed. Everything is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you thought is a lie. Yeah, it's all <laughs> bullshit. I use he, his pronouns because, I don't know, they just... They make me have warm feelings in my tummy the way that um, she gives me like intestinal distress and they them um, is just like a neutral feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like when you've eaten a food and it's kind of like indifferent. That's how I feel. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but I'm not disappointed either. Um, but I chase the good feelings now as opposed to like hanging out with indifference. Yeah. And I'm sure we can talk for like a whole hour about about gender and and the social norms. Uh, but I just remember growing up and like wanting to be the pink ranger, you know, Oh my God, the pink ranger was great. She was badass. It doesn't matter like what gender she was. The pink ranger was a badass. So you know what I fucking (laughs) found today, a pink leather shirt. (gasps) How cute. I want it so bad. It's like 200 euros, but I need it. (laughs) Well, you should get it and and take a picture and send it to me. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely will. And like, I don't have particularly broad shoulders. Like it's so awkward finding 
clothes, especially like leather clothes as like a fat trans person. Mm-hmm. But I know these shirts fit me. I tried them on when I was in Europe and I bought two, but they didn't have the pink ones. So now I have to fucking buy this one. <laughs> well, I just, you know, and it, it happens in our own community too. You know, my my mother, for example, would say, oh, uh, you can't be the pink ranger because that's a girl ranger mm-hmm. and you're a boy. It's like, well, why is pink like girl or boy? I don't understand. Like, I want to be the pink ranger because she's a badass. I wasn't thinking yeah. like sexually or anything and then we have that you know sometimes with people in our community too being like oh well you can't wear pink leather because of this or like yeah like just let me be pretty yeah just let me be me you know um and that's a whole way it started anyways with like sexual rebellion right Mm -hmm. like why can't we just be the people who we express ourselves to be why do we have to go by these these rules you know it's always ironic how many rules get put on like a rebellious movement after it's been around long enough yeah yeah absolutely the gatekeeping um, the gatekeeping exactly and so sir ezra talked a lot about uh beware of gatekeeping for for you know newcomers coming into the scene as well mm. um i do want to ask you about your um about your physical transition as well uh, sure so are you you're taking hormones i'm i'm guessing <laughs> or, or sorry that was just like such a cis person trying to <laughs> just like trying to be, what 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 sort of steps have you taken to, to make no, it I'm, on, I'm on hormones um i was on injections so i started them maybe oh i i know this i started them on the 20th because my birthday's on the 1st of august so i, I always joke that i i celebrate from my b day to my t day Okay. Uh, I got 20 days of just like, you know, it's all about me. Um, my daddy made me cookies this last year that had teas on them. He like baked cookies for the first time and put mm-hmm. candles in them. They were very cute. Um, so I've been on hormones for five years on and off. Um, I was on and off them because I have fibromyalgia, which for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, is like a muscular issue. So basically re- my muscle fibers and the nerves in them read pain um, and any like sensation as extreme pain, um, and read pain when there's no pain there. So I'm, uh, almost always in like some level of muscular discomfort, especially with my right leg. Uh, and so with the injections, typically you inject on one side and then the next time you inject, whether that's weekly or biweekly, um, or monthly in Europe, um, some parts of Europe, I should say, um, then you inject on the other side to give that side a rest because they're intramuscular. Um, I couldn't do that because I had a leg that doesn't function to like, it's, I guess like it's what normal quote unquote capacity. So if I injected in that leg, I couldn't walk basically because I couldn't move it. And then I would inject on the other side and because it had no rest in between injections, it would eventually start breaking down as well. So I would get to the point where I couldn't climb a flight of stairs. I could barely like walk to the bathroom and I was having, you know, issues walking without the injections, let alone with them. So the healing process was just very iffy for me. So I switched to a topical version of testosterone instead. So now I, I use a gel. And I just oh rub it gosh. on my chest. I literally just heard of this yesterday because yeah, it's so cool. Because <laughs> well, apparently my father has like I, I guess as you get older, even cis men will they they lower their testosterone yes. levels lower. So he's like, oh yeah, I rub this gel on my skin, and that's my testosterone hormone. I'm like, what? Like what? yeah. Well, me so- and your dad got things in common, <laughs> <laughs> daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so that's what i do i'm supposed to do it every day i'm kind of bad at it um it really depends on my depression but i'm I'm back on track right now and i'm doing really well on it um and this i don't know if i could have done it if i hadn't had top surgery um all this to say that i've had top surgery mm-hmm. um and i chose to chuck out my nipples because i just thought it would be fun wait so you have you don't have any nipples? i don't have any nipples oh how interesting yeah you, i always wondered why we needed them like um they just things that develop uh so they they can actually like if you don't heal properly like sometimes people have complications and they'll lose their nipples um i've heard of people losing like one nipple or another and that's like you know everybody's a good body in my opinion 
but I have a weird fear of my nipples getting ripped off in an accident. Mm. So I always thought like if I had stitches around them, um, I also suffer from some level of psychosis. So I have had hallucinations in the past where I think I'm injured and I'm not. I was just so afraid that that would feed into it that I told them, I was like, I don't want to keep them. I just, I'd rather not go through the stress right. of having like stitches around my nipples. Like it just sounds like too much for me. Um, also, I like chest tattoos. Okay. So I wanted like, I want, I haven't done it yet, but I'm planning to get like a big piece and I don't really want to be like, oh, I have to work around a nipple or like found, find right. a way to incorporate. It's just so much. So I was like, get rid of them, more canvas. <laughs> Take them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually tried to keep them like in a jar and they wouldn't let me. Okay. <laughs> Were you I really like, put them in some sort of preservative? And <laughs> I wanted to like keep them in a jar with glitter in it. So it would be like a snow globe and you could shake it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> they wouldn't let me do it though. The doctor looked so upset with me. She thought I was going to ask a serious question because it's right before I go under. And she's like, "Do you have any last-minute questions before the anesthesiologist comes?" And I was like, "Yes. Can I keep my nipples in a jar?" <laughs> oh gosh, I you crack me up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question for you is then. You, you you just you know you discovered yourself as trans you went through the 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 hormones and the the surgery um why was it important for you to make physical changes and if you had to go back and make that choice again would you still choose to make those physical changes to your to yourself I think it was absolutely necessary for me. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary for everyone. Transition looks like a million different things. And physical transition isn't for everyone. Medical transition isn't for everyone. And I say that like as a non-binary person. Um, but I think for me to love myself and be able to express myself the way I do now, it was absolutely necessary. I had such a bad relationship with my body. I would argue that I didn't even have a relationship with my body. Like I was just dissociating constantly. I, I had nothing that tethered me to my body and to watch physical changes, even ones that I didn't want. And like, cause I, I didn't want ass hair. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. um, now I love it. And there's like a few things where I, I didn't want to happen or I, or I wanted them to happen differently where I wanted more of it. And I'm realizing like five years in, this is as far as like, you know, X change is going to happen. And I just have to be settled with that. I don't think I would be like donning on pink and being like really queer and like engaging with like femdoms or doing any of the things that I do to the extent that I do if I hadn't physically transitioned, meaning that I wouldn't be who I am. So in many ways, does, I mean, well, you know what, I'm going to ask this question later. Um, let me ask this to you first before we move on. Um, mm -hmm. For those who are listening and maybe like yourself scrolling through Tumblr, just hearing your voice for the first time and discovering that trans is an option, what, what would be your advice to those people? There's no one way to be trans um, is the first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been hearing that there's a resurfacing of a lot of like trans medicalists and gatekeeping going on. It's unfortunate you find gatekeeping everywhere you go. And I don't understand it. Like why minority groups um, have to, I, I mean, I do get it. Like mm -hmm. I do get that you want to be palatable and you want to check x y and z boxes because the masses tell you that's what it's like to be real cis people will accept you if you jump through the proper hoops and you do it the right way and you stick the landing and so when you see somebody else doing something the opposite or doing something not the way you do or not doing something at all then it invalidates in your mind all the work that you went through but that's not true mm -hmm. and i want that to be my advice that isn't true someone else's transition and their style of transition doesn't invalidate yours everybody is different to say that there is one way to be trans is not only inherently misogynistic and transphobic but it's also very racist when you really break down the the gender binary is a white supremacist construction mm -hmm. yeah that was a lot uh <laughs> you should see my classes. They're that was so a lot worse. in like in ten seconds. You really covered a lot. I love I love that advice. That you know, especially like 
for those coming out and not sure how to, you know, go about after they've discovered they might be trans. I mean, how do we go about this journey? And just knowing that there's no one way. Yeah. So are you essentially saying that do it as you see fit for yourself? Basically, Oh, absolutely. And try things and don't be afraid to stop. Like I have plenty of friends who went on hormones and then like a year in we're like, yeah, this is pretty cool, but actually no. Mm-hmm. But actually like this isn't right for me and that's okay. And know that th- some changes are permanent. Some will, you know, revert back and that's totally fucking fine. Like, it doesn't make you fake, it doesn't make you a liar, and it doesn't actually harm the trans community. What does harm the trans community is pressuring people to transition in a specific way that isn't right for them. Because what happens when people detransition, people aren't happy, people don't reach gender euphoria. Like We're on this whole thing where we spend so much time trying to validate ourselves through dysphoria, you know, like the bad feeling. But we don't spend enough time focusing on gender euphoria, which is like my goal in life, is I want to tra- like transition in a way that feels euphoric, not like I'm just running away from bad feelings, but that I'm indulging in everything that's good. Well, that, that actually brings us to a really good segue um, to talk more of a little bit about your sexuality and-, and um, Oh, that old thing. Have you, how, how you explored that, because you mentioned before- uh-huh that you didn't have a good relationship with your body. No. So I'm curious to know if we, at this time uh, that you describe where you weren't so comfortable with your own body um, or you didn't have a relationship with your own body, did you did you ever explore your body sexually during that time as far as masturbation or sex? And when you went through your transition and now where you are today, how has that changed? So for the first year of my medical transition, I actually didn't have sex. Um, I was going through a lot emotionally, not just with transitioning, but also trying to figure out who I was and what I liked. And so I decided that I should stop. Um, and I did. And I had a partner at the time, but we were both, you know, open people. I've been only exclusively in open relationships since um, right before I turned 18. Uh, so I didn't feel like we were missing anything. Like I was like, they're fucking fine. They're, you know, getting fucked all damn day. They're fucking great. (laughs) But I was just in a place where I couldn't do it. And part of that, not to like, I know I'm jumping the gun again. I'm so sorry. Um, but it was because I had started learning that kink was more of a culture as opposed to like, I just like being slapped occasionally when I'm getting fucked that there was this whole culture mm-hmm. behind it and aftercare. And I had always, you know, liked it rough, but I never realized that there was a drop that came with it. And around discovering that and also discovering like that I was, you know, starting a new journey with myself um, and that I was actually going to do the thing that I had talked about. I was going to go on hormones. And I was going to do all the things that I felt, you know, I saw fit. Uh, I decided that I needed to just take a break and I didn't like seek it out by going like, I'm going to see if I cannot have sex for a year. I was just like, yo, you need to stop, bro. Like you need to sit down and chill. And then about a year later, I was like, oh, I think I'm ready. And it just so happened to be around the same time the next year. Okay. Okay. Um, so when you had sex prior to getting on hormones, um, did you i mean did you enjoy it did you oh i loved it (laughs) sex is wonderful like i had so much of it all the time (laughs) it was my favorite fucking thing and that was part of slowing down is that i didn't handle rejection well Mm -hmm. um so part of that and like learning how to like navigate engaging with other people was learning that i can still be a sexual person and like in a relationship and confident in my sexuality and be rejected and that my partners were also allowed to say no to me. Mm-hmm. And that was part of like me going like, I need to pull back and figure this stuff out, especially before becoming someone who walks in the world with more privilege and like more access to what my partners typically didn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first sexual experience? Um, Yeah. I do actually. <laughs> uh, ooh. <laughs> now thinking about it, I guess I really have always been like this. Um, 
so that content warning because i was definitely underage um i was sucking dick at like 12 like in the bushes of my like you know equal age boyfriend um from like middle school um but it was definitely in the bushes i distinctly remember that of like because he lived on a hill god i don't remember where maybe like an eagle rock or something like that but he lived on these like hills um and I remember we went on like, you know, a walk and he like brought a jacket and his family like gave him a weird look for bringing a very large jacket, but it was so like he could like lay it down and that we could 69 and like the bushes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so how did you even know that that was like something that you could do? I don't know. I just knew <laughs> everyone around me was gross. I don't know. <laughs> Word of mouth cartoons. Nobody supervised me. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember seeing the picture for the first time when, like, the internet came out, and I saw a guy sucking another guy's dick, and I was like, "What? Like, people (laughs) do that?" (laughs) Oh yeah, I remember like when I figured out that you could like fuck someone vaginally while they're like in doggy style i thought doggy style inherently always meant anal uh-huh. and i was like oh what you can just reach other holes <laughs> my dumbass, like i have a vagina and i don't even know that well like i i didn't even uh i was talking with my cousin because you know you take sex ed in school and yeah and i was like is it true that women have like more than one hole and she was like yeah like duh and i was like what like how do you know which one the penis goes in then (laughs) oh that just is like every sexual encounter i've ever had like transition i mean excuse me post transition it's just like they're real hype they're real hype and then they stop and then they stare for a bit and i go it's that one it's that one options here <laughs> you can just use your words like a big boy it's fine <laughs> that's great well okay so then how did you figure out that you were well oh, okay before we leave the bush story do you ever go <laughs> have you been back to that bush since no i have i don't even remember where it was and okay. also i'm pretty sure like that ex-boyfriend hates me <laughs> <laughs> i just you know there's there's areas of LA where I've had some great sexual experiences and some I have some sort of somber nostalgia for that I'll I'll drive by occasionally or I'll pass by on happenstance and I'll be like wow I really I remember that night when this happened in that corner like and it, it just brings back great memories you know um I love that for you, but I want to again say that I was 12, <laughs> so I have no idea where the fuck that was. Um, I had no idea, like, anything. I had no sense of direction. I have had, like, basically every partner knows where I live better than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where I'm going. I, I'm i a lost stray dog. I don't know what <laughs> A lost dog. Yeah, a lost dog. Yeah, like, I just will get lost so easily. I am so fortunate to have a daddy because I don't know. I'm just a mess. <laughs> so what was your first like kink experience like? So um, I guess another content warning. I used to, do you remember those like- <laughs> Maybe I should just put a whole like blanket statement. I <laughs> just fuck. <laughs> I'm just a bad person. Um, so I guess like the closest thing, like I always tell people like I've been in the lifestyle about five, six years now, but- <laughs> I do have a distinct memory of like, do you remember those chain wallets? Mm-hmm. So I had a chain wallet when I was like 14 that I got from Hot Topic and I used to take off the chain and put it around my neck and have people tug me around on it when we would make out um, mm-hmm. and then tug it backwards so that it would choke me. And yes, I understand now as an adult and like as a more aware person that that's not the proper way to choke somebody. You should do it from the sides. You could hurt the esophagus that way. Mm-hmm. La, 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 la. But it was fucking awesome. <laughs> A good kink origin always starts at Hot Topic. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's all those like you know fake leather and and ripped up shirts and. Right. Do you remember those seatbelt belts? They were like actual. Yes. <laughs> I I always wanted one so bad, but like I was never sure if I could ask my mom to get me one. Right. And also, like I didn't know how to pick them. There were like so many good ones. Um, in retrospect, they weren't that good at all. But like in my teenage mind, there were so many good ones. Right. Right. It was the place to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to this day, I'll walk. That's where I have my actual nostalgia. I'll walk in and be like, "Oh, hot topic." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so, uh, 
when it comes to kink, you, you were you were sort of talking about like um, earlier how you discovered that it was more than just like a sexual experience. You know, it became like yeah. a community. When did that whole transition come from you for you, where you were like, oh, this is something more? Yeah. So I have always like I guess like since my adulthood had partners who have been very like, oh yeah, I like it rough. Um, I'll call you like you know X Y and Z spit on me degrade me like slap me across the face um and i was like yeah i'm fucking down because i like that too (laughs) and i just didn't really know that there was a name for it until one day i was like watching i don't remember what documentary it is for the life of me i'm really sorry i wish i did but there was um like a porn being filmed Mm -hmm. and it was like really rough drowning bondage all this shit going on it was amazing and then the cameras, you know, stop. They're done filming the porn. And the actors just started cuddling really intensely. And they started talking about, how, like, you know, to do something like that, to, like, pull someone that high into their headspace, you then have to hold them as they drop. Oh, and wow. I was like, you have to do what now? <laughs> wow. And, like, as a mentally ill person who is, like, constantly engaging with other mentally ill people, like – there it was really hard to distinguish like what is depression and what is like a sub drop that i don't have a name for Mm -hmm. um in myself and also like in partners and it bred like some level of mistrust if i'm being honest between me and a long-term partner because it was hard to really have boundaries when we didn't know how those boundaries actually worked so after that, I actually I explained to them what I had seen, and I gave a really big apology. And apologies, you know, actions speak louder than words, and apologies should be actions. So I was like, I am going to research this. This is something that we never, ever have to do. You don't have to ever, like, engage with me in any way that you don't want to ever again. But for my own sake and my own growth, I need to follow this and see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading a lot. I started Googling a lot. I started actually listening to podcasts a lot. Um, and that's where I got like introduced to the fact that there was a scene. And I remember I started taking classes at the Pleasure Chest. So I used to listen to podcasts and they'd be like, it's sponsored by the Pleasure Chest. If you're in Los Angeles, and I'd be like, hey, I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started going and I started talking to people and like, you know, shaking hands, doing the whole thing, listening to other people. And yeah, I, I think it made me a better person. Because I could be very easily one of those like shitty stereotypical doms that everyone gets warned about. Um, but instead, I am a very respectful little sub-bitch boy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say was your greatest lesson you learned along that whole journey of exploration? Um, I think I'm, I'm never finished with that journey. So I think my best lesson was actually like something last year. Um, and I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna bring someone up. I know that uh, Bam Bam brought him up too. Bam Bam's you know former Sir Sir Wombat mm-hmm. is a friend of mine, and I think he's really taught me how to like let go of myself and my pride. Like I don't like crying. Um, my therapists have always told me that like it's okay to cry, dude. Like uh, they always kind of joke like you know boys cry right. Like it's fine. Do you need tissues? Um, and it's really hard to cry on testosterone, which is a, a weird side effect no one tells you about. Um, but some people just can't cry, and I'm one of those people. So I have a lot of issues crying. I was shamed a lot for crying growing up. All this to say is like it's hard to get me to let go and like just feel my own feelings. And I feel like during a needle scene we did, that was one of the times where I learned to really trust the people around me and that the people around me see me and love me. Um, but basically he was putting a series of needles in me with a, with a friend and he told me beforehand that he was going to put them in my face and to just like, you know, be careful with the feelings that come up and that it might bring something up in me. And he told me, he's like, every time we stick needles in you, you know, you go someplace Today, we're all going somewhere together, so it might be heavy. And I was like, yeah, sh- whatever. Um, I swear, the moment that needle went into my third eye, I cried the ugliest cry. Like, there was no saving face for that. I was sobbing and screaming and clawing, like, the table around me. Um, I, like, sat up so rapidly. I remember, like, just wanting to scream. 
And all he said was like, hey, let it go. Whatever it is that's coming up, just let it go. And I did. And I have never, I, I am such a dweller, Brandon. You need to understand that like I will sit around and think about something that happened like 10 years ago and get really worked up about it. I have never in my life been able to stop crying and just lay back down and relax so quickly. And then he started giving me the sound bath and he told me I was beautiful. And I like, it's so hard as a trans person to reclaim some words. And I feel like beautiful is one of the words that I've worked really hard in reclaiming Mm -hmm. and before that i had a girlfriend who used to call me beautiful all the time um and i loved it and i feel like no one had called me beautiful since her and you know when you kind of like lose something when a relationship ends and i i deeply deeply loved her so it was kind of i like it was one of those things where i couldn't just tell someone like hey could you call me beautiful because there was such an impact with the word and it needed to be natural yeah and for that word to come up specifically while i was just like sitting there in so much agony and then suddenly it was all gone and I remember he told me I was beautiful and I had one more tear just fall really quickly and I was done crying well you guys we're going to take a little break right here as we have so much more to talk about but make sure to tune in next week to hear part two of leather talk with pop star Orion as always don't forget to check out the many outreach programs we have available to us here in the Los Angeles area the Alley Leather COVID-19 Assist, Bulletproof Pantry, and LALC Cares are all ways that you can get assistance during these trying times of COVID-19. I will have links in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet, and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky.